Woo, all hyped up on a whole hell of a lot of caffeine, baby. Woo, it is the Golden Stallion, the man of tomorrow, Savzu, the Rated R Radio Star, here for your little Wednesday Patreon Q&A. And man, I found this, so there's a company called Kicking Horse Coffee, okay? Now, I'm always looking for these really, like, insane, intense coffees, right? I mean, intense coffees. Like, my favorite is Death Wish. Uh, actually, my favorite from Death Wish is Zach Wilde's uh, coffee, which is Valhalla Java is what he calls it. Odin Force Valhalla Java. I think that's the full name for it. Of course, Zach Wild, Black Label Society, Ozzy Osbourne. He's a guy I've actually talked with Zach Wild. It's kind of a I could tell you a very funny story about that. I I've t- I think I told it years ago on social media. But anyway, just one of you know, he's one of my favorite guitarists of all time. Uh, real quick, I got to say happy birthday to talk about one of the greatest guitarists of all time. Steve Vai. Woo, happy birthday, baby. <laughs> Man, my life would not be the same without you in it. Let me assure you of that. And same goes for a lot of other guitarists, even though, you know, Joe Satriani, the real God, okay, is the one that taught you. But whew, anyway, Zach Wilde, what a weird character, you know? Uh, I mean, like, because I think he's technically Christian, but man, I mean, I've talked to him. This guy acts like no Christian. I, I mean, not at all. Like, I've been backstage. I, well, whatever. Anyway, so, <laughs> but I do love me some Black Label Society. I do love me some Ozzy Osbourne, and I do love his coffee. But this, this Kicking Horse coffee, this is pretty good. So I've tried a couple different flavors that they've got. Uh, one of them is just called literally Kick-Ass that's the name of the coffee. And yeah, it, it kicks some ass. Uh, and this stuff, 454 or 454 horsepower is the name of the coffee. And wow, has this been, has this been getting me through some, uh, frankly, some very, very, very busy days um, as late because we got a lot going on with Sovereign Tech, a lot of growth, a lot of great action happening uh, there. But anyway, woo, uh, you know, speaking of getting stuff done, in fact, last week's Q&A, we, we did kind of a whole segment at the end where or it was based on a question. It was a question about, you know, how to actually get shit done. You know, something that I'm really enjoying. I'll tell you. So because I'm getting ready for uh, my workshop at Porkfest this year, where I will be showing people how to have like this really, you know, uh, privacy focused and anonymity focused. Uh, I mean, a dark Android tablet, basically a dark Android tab- tablet, a dark Android extreme tablet. No Google, none of that horseshit. Okay, um, I got to tell you, so I've been messing with tablets again for a little bit. In fact, quick update um, from this past week's episode of Sovereign Tech was that episode, where, was it episode 280? Yeah, episode 280, where we talked about how Android.com got rid of the tablet section of their page. Well, it's back up. Um, I might mention it on episode 281 of Sovereign Tech, but the the tablet page is back up, but they didn't update it at all. Like, it's still showing tablets from, like, two, three years ago. I mean, it's really, really pathetic. Um, I think just Sam, I think they did take the page down, and I think just Samsung and Asus complained about it and said, hey, what the fuck? We're trying to we're trying to ship product here. You know, you mind not screwing us over? It's, it's just one fucking page on your site. Uh, which, I, I mean, because they're claiming, Google's claiming it was just a bug. Like that, that's all that it was a bug that kept that tab from showing up. Uh, I mean, that's entirely possible, but uh, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> that's what I think about it. But anyway, with the tablet, um, I oh, real quick. OK, before I get go on with the tablet, um, this week's episode of Sovereign Tech will not be the best episode. The following week's 
uh, episode of Sovereign Tech will be a best episode, just so you're aware. So episode 281 is probably going to be another solo show with me, but then the following week will actually be the episode with Ellen, Stephanie, and I, and I know how much you love those. We've got great stuff lined up for it. I can't wait, uh, you know, to to go over it. So, but I mean, just, you know, it's just scheduling. That's all. No big deal. Uh, But uh, anyway, of course, you know, I always can't wait to hang out with Ellen and, you know, Stephanie and I, we just, it's always the best time. So really excited for that. Anyway, um, so yes, with the tablet, I, so, you know, I broke out of one of my old Nexus sevens and I'm a, you know, rocking that right now. And you get a little Logitech keyboard, right. And you, you know, you go to town with it and everything. And man, like I really love that setup. Now I have my Nexus seven. I have a, uh, you know, a case on it that has a kickstand effectively that allows it to sit either horizontally or vertically, um, on its own. And then you can, I mean, it's not lappable. Of course, that's, that's kind of a problem, right? Where, you, you know, you can't, it's not like I can sit in bed and have it in my lap. Like I would an actual laptop. Of course, it's where the name comes from, but you know, if you're at a desk or whatever, and you've got it off to the side of you, like right now I have the, the Nexus seven that I've been using. Actually, it's uh, it's on a little, little stand that was actually provided very graciously by a Sovereign Tech listener. I need to get another one of these actually for the phone because I, I love having this tablet here so much. Um, you know, and I just break out the keyboard and, you know, it, it's it's the same thing like with the Chromebook and very similar to what I was talking about with the, was it the, um, the Asus E230? Is that is that what it is? The model that I'm using right now that I did a review for a couple weeks ago where it's so single focus that it really lets you get shit done, even though the tablet does also, you know, has notifications a little more front and center. Um, it still allows me like I really like having that like just packable and and carrying it around. And the other nice thing is, is that if I can't break out the keyboard and I just think of something or I want to write whatever, th- there's a book out there called How to Write a Novel or a Novella in 24 Hours or How to Write a Novel in 24 Hours, something like that. And this book talks about how the way that you do that is you have to like you just whenever you have like a an opportunity or something, you just have to write like even if all you have is your smartphone and you're sitting waiting for your oil change, you break out your smartphone and you start touch typing, you know, and you keep writing that novel. That's how you get one done in 24 hours. And I read that book, uh, boy, two, three years ago. And uh, I mean, that 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 whole concept really works and it fits in with what we were talking about last week. But with a tablet, at least for me, with my you know, kind of ridiculous giant, you know, double XL man hands here. Uh, I, (laughs) with a seven inch screen that the Nexus seven has a lot easier to get that, you know, to do that touch typing. If I need to a lot more convenient. I mean, it's just, it's really, really handy. I, I think tablets are a very wonderful thing. And that's, I've said that for a long time on sovereign tech. Um, you know, I'm, I'm half tempted. I've been looking at, there's the LG stylus Q, which is like a 6.2 inch phone. That if if somebody ends up like, you know, supporting it with lineage OS or something like that, I, I'd be tempted to get that phone because then, you know, it, it's it's that phablet style and I could I could make use of it to be able to, to keep writing because writing is is going is, is a huge deal of everything that I have going on right now. So being able to get it done wherever I am, whenever I am is pretty important. I mean, the tablet's handy. Uh, of course, it doesn't have the persistent connection, even though you know, the system that I'm using or the app that I'm using for writing uh, does allow for, uh, you know, like a degree of a cloud sync that that'll work with my NAS. But anyway, 
Yeah, uh, I really, really like, you know, having a tablet, having something of that size that has such great battery life. And like the Nexus 7, I mean, the battery life is fucking ridiculous on that thing. I mean, in a good way. Like, it's it's so impressive. It just keeps going. And you could set it down and leave it in standby forever. And I mean, and it'll sit there for days. You know, I damn do I love that little tablet. I'm so pissed off that Google effectively stop making tablets like because they they were the ones that were really doing it right in many ways even better than what apple's doing with the ipad um but i get it i understand why people love their ipads and why they keep them around for years because you know i'll keep this nexus 7 around for as long as i fucking can i mean i i love this thing uh and you know i've i've always loved this thing that's why i based an entire <laughs> an entire project around it, you know, with dark Android. So even though I do like Sony's Xperia line, you know, some of its older Xperia line where they were like waterproof tablets and everything, those are really nice too. Certainly those are just as valid and they have great battery life and they're rock solid, uh, just like a Nexus seven is. But usually when I'm telling people to do a dark Android thing, um, you know, setup. They want to go like a dark Android extreme. What I call it. that. That's what I could dark Android extreme is what I call where you're really de-googling and you don't have the Google Play Store and all that is where dark Android is just when you secure and, and make and get privacy focused with your smartphone or, or even a tablet still. But when you're doing dark Android, I mean, just the easiest thing to get your hands on and least expensive thing to get your hands on uh, is a Nexus 7. So that's that's why I always use one of those and keep them around. That way I can show people, you know, exactly, um, you know, what they got. I mean, I guess the one flaw, you know, and, and I'll be talking about this actually during my workshop with tablets is that signal is kind of a trick to get to run on on a tablet because you can't share. You can share your you can do a handshake with desktop environments between, you know, say your signal app on your smartphone or whatever, um, you know, and, and you can, uh, you know, have it be cross platform that way. But you can't actually have more than one installation of signal and use the same number across multiple mobile devices, tablets and smartphones. So it's a little bit of a trick. Either you only have it on your tablet and you're linking it through, say, like just some phone number, you know, be it a, I don't know, dumb phone number or something like that. Um, but that, that's a little bit of a trick. But then, you know, if you use like we talked about in episode 280, if you use Briar, you can use Briar all over the place. Now, I mean, you can't sync Briar either, but, you know, nothing stops you from installing Briar somewhere else. And you don't need a phone number. You just use a username. Uh, and so, you know, your tablet can be a great platform for just using Briar. Uh, and because, you know, I'm such a big fan of that. But anyway, there, there's all kinds of things you can do with the tablet. And I'm not going to talk about that here. Maybe I'll do an episode in the very near future that's a review of the Nexus of the 2013 Nexus 7. Uh, you know, it'll be called like five years later, right? <laughs> How does it hold up? Um, I mean, honestly, like real quick, it, it does hold up very well because it had, it was fairly advanced at its time. It had the Tegra uh, processor in it, which is quad core, and it had two gig of RAM, which, you know, a lot of the lower end, like, uh, uh, a lot of de- well, not lower end, but a lot of the devices that just aren't smartphones and even most smartphones are still only using two gig of RAM. So, I mean, this this device was and I knew this when they made it, that they were thinking well ahead with this device, that this was going to stand the test of time, um, much like, you know, like people are still using their iPad two to this day. And how old is that fucking thing? You know, it's the second iPad, yet it's still the most popular out there. Uh, so, you know, there, there it was a, a sweet spot of devices, uh, I, I really think. So anyway, that that'd be fun. Maybe 
maybe to do a review of that, but we'll, we'll save that for another episode. Um, we've got a lot of questions to get into in this episode, and I want to try and break them down. We got a, we got a couple of, well, we got a tech question, then a gaming question, then we've got a, well, a bit of an ideological question. And hell, then we even have a workout question. In fact, this is a damn funny one. <laughs> So, uh, so why don't we go ahead and start breaking into it for this week's Wednesday Q&A. And, of course, feel free to keep sending in questions um, or even if you want to send in articles that you want me to talk about. That's something you can do, too. And you can do that either. You can use the community tab on Patreon. You can use the private messenger built into Patreon. Or, of course, you can uh, use the contact form, which is at contact.zog.ninja uh, if you want to get in touch with me. I mean, and that just goes to my email address, bbs at sovereigntech.com if you want more on or, you know, if you want to send something for that. But if you're going to use something outside of Patreon or even within Patreon, you can let me know. Do you want it to be for a question for a prime episode or do you want it to be a question for a Patreon episode? That's what I need to know. So, all right, let's start getting into it here. Um, all right. So here's the question. I use front and rear GoPro cameras while bicycle commuting. Hell yeah. Um, I know micro SD cards have limited rewrite quantities. Uh, yeah, this is, of course, true of, of all flash memory, right? Um and let's see, reading on, the cameras are set to delete the oldest files if space is needed. My OCD drives me to download and delete my daily rides. Am I prematurely damaging my card in any noticeable way? Would it be better to let the camera sort it out? I mean, they're cheap and I'm going to go, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing, but I'm curious. Okay, so this is a great, great question to ask. Um, so I don't use like really a whole lot of cameras or anything. I certainly don't use GoPros. Uh, I'm I'm very familiar with them, um, but I you do use micro SD cards and SD cards certainly for my uh, you know for my audio work like when I'm on location uh, and I'm using say you know some kind of Zoom uh, uh, microphone. You'd be at the H6 or the H1 or something like that. Uh, so a couple things to consider. Okay. There is the question of, you know, limited rewrites. Uh, personally, I would now. I mean, there's varying apps that you can check the condition of cards and flash memory and things like this. And, and it depends on what operating system you're using as far as which one's the best for that, uh, that you could do that if you wanted to while you have it plugged in. And while you're, you know, doing, uh, you know, while you're deleting everything on it, you can do that. Um, I, I mean, the rewrite ability is in the thousands. OK, really, I think the best thing that you can do. You know, so when it's something, I mean, really, the only time that the rewrite thing is is an issue is say when when you're using more. It's more when you're using a solid state drive. Okay, not so much with like an actual just an SD card because when you're using a solid state drive, usually a lot of operating systems and there's ways to turn these off or or to to. Um, you know, make them more efficient. Um, you know, they'll have swap files and everything and you're doing, I mean, you're just constantly writing, 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 or, you know, there was the web browser problem that Firefox had. And I think Chrome even had some degree where it was, you know, writing sometimes, you know, tens of gigs a day just from having tabs open and all this other stuff. I mean, it's a really ugly situation that they've tried to mitigate over the past year. Um, this is one of the reasons that solid state drives, you know, fail so hard. Uh, SD cards themselves, they usually they, they can honestly they can last years. I mean, they can really last years with, you know, rewriting, rewriting. And usually the amount of times that you delete over it, okay, isn't really creating a problem. And it's not exactly shortening the life of the SD card um, itself. Okay. So I, I don't think that that's so much of a concern. The best thing you could do is treat it like, I mean, if you really want to be careful with it, the best thing you can do is treat it 
much like you would a filter on a refrigerator or like a water filter or something, you know, where I don't know, every every two years or something. I mean, with with, you know, with a water filter or refrigerator, you do it like every six months. But you get my point. Uh, You know, every couple of years, buy new SD cards. And you're right, because they are cheap, you know, I I mean, or or rotate buy a couple of them. Like you said, they're cheap and just rotate them out like one day use this one and, and, and the next day use the other. Um, I think that regardless of whether or not, I mean, and you always get a bunch of different answers on this stuff, um, but whether or not like it lessens the rewrite speeds, I think regularly deleting the data on your SD cards is a great and wonderful thing just from a privacy perspective. Like if someone, you know, takes your camera or something, I mean, I'm sure what you're recording is perfectly mundane, but at the same time. Or maybe it's not mundane. Maybe, you know, maybe you're doing really awesome shit. I don't know. <laughs> but regardless, um, I think it's it's a fair idea to just be in the habit of constantly deleting data as much as, you know, and, and not having it spread all over the place as much as possible. I mean, that's just a good, good security habit to have. So I would do it anyway. And like you said, because it's cheap, regardless of whether it, it is lessening the life of the SD card, um, you know, I would I would just I would just get it keep in the habit of deleting data over and over again, regardless. And I would just pay the you know, pay the price of getting new SD cards. So and actually just now if you're it depends on what you're doing, because if you are, you know, if you're just deleting it, it's not so bad. If you're doing a full formatting, that's very different. OK, if you're deleting it, it's it's designed for that, you know, and you're not really going to to hurt it beyond what it's how it's designed to function and based upon. Um, the numbers that and the tests that like say SanDisk or Samsung or whoever actually puts these cards through. But if you're like formatting it every day, if you're just constantly formatting, yeah, then you are lessening the life of that of that SD card significantly over what it would normally be. Okay, if you're doing a full formatting every time or, or I mean, well, if it's quick formatting, not so much. It depends. Again, that depends on what operating system you're doing. But regardless of all of that. I think the best practice is just constantly delete your data like that. that, That's just what you should do. So, you know, forget about the mechanical, you know, the technical aspects of it or the mechanical aspects. There's no mechanics. It's it's, you know, it's flash memory. But forget about that. You know, just think about the philosophy of it and just keep deleting your data. I think that that's really, really the best way to go with that. Um, And, you know, letting the GoPro camera just handle it it honestly handles it in the same way. Like there's no advantage. There's no difference between you doing the deleting and the GoPro camera doing the deleting. If you are, if you, again, if you're formatting it as to where the GoPro would just be deleting it, you know, deleting the older data as needed, then the advantage as far as lifetime of the, of the SD card goes to the GoPro camera. Okay. But if you're just deleting it and you're not doing the formatting, there's no difference between what the GoPro, GoPro camera is doing and what you're doing. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, f- flash memory has been a huge conversation lately on Sovereign Tech because, man, did did I in a very real way get get kind of fucked over? Um, <laughs> so, so asking questions and keen, keeping up to date on what's happening with flash memory overall, not just micro SD cards, but also solid state drives and everything, is is a really important thing because I mean they're they're just their order of the day. It's what everything uses, you know, and 
be that good or bad, you know, depending on how you look at it. I mean, I think with like portable devices like, you know, a Zoom H6 or the GoPro or something or a GoPro camera, you know, it's wonderful what what can be done with that. Um, And, you know, the nice thing about micro SD cards, I mean, they're practical or SD cards in general, they're practically indestructible, especially micro SD cards. Uh, I mean, it's just a wonderful little technology. So definitely, you know, keep abreast as it were, of, of developments in, in that area. Uh, I mean, and, yeah, but man, it's amazing. It's amazing how the, you know, with flash memory, like as much as I complain about it, it's also incredible, you know. It's amazing how they can keep, you know, what do they have, two terabyte micro SD cards now? <laughs> I mean, that's it's crazy, <laughs> you know. I mean, well, I don't know if the two terabyte ones are out to market, but I know certainly the 512s are, the 512 gig ones are. And, I mean, that's madness. And there's no real change in the overall functionality. Unbelievable, these things. I mean, what what a remarkable little technology. No doubt about that. So anyway, let's um, let's move on to uh, to another another conversation here or another question here. And this is, you know, boy, going from the latest technologies to (laughs) to the earliest (laughs) or kind of the earliest. Um, This is from the community tab. It's actually from uh, Sovereign Tech co-host Robin. He says, man, I really didn't think the crowdfunding campaign for the Atari VCS was going to draw in that many suckers, especially after the whole Coleco Chameleon train wreck. Okay, now this actually falls in line with, I think, a question that I was asked on Twitter, if I remember correctly, asking about, you know, do you think that the Atari VCS, um, which is this, the Atari VCS is this new kind of a retro console, but kind of not definitely taking advantage of the you know, of the retro, uh, you know, retro console kind of kind of heat movement, you could almost say that's going on right now because you have I mean, who's coming? SNK is coming out with a Neo Geo uh, a mini, you know, retro console. It's going to have, I don't know, however many games on it. Um, you have the NES Classic will be back in stock at the end of June in June 29th uh, from Nintendo. Of course, the Super Nintendo Classic is doing very well for itself, and it's actually largely in stock. I've seen some other Sovereign Tech listeners getting their hands on it uh, even recently, and I'm, I'm really glad to, that, that you guys are getting that, guys and gals and Zs, because uh, I love that fucking thing. <laughs> and I'll buy every one of these. Well, I won't buy the Atari VCS, but we'll talk about that in a second. Um, but, you know, there, there's a real retro console phenomenon going on right now, uh, and I, I couldn't be happier about it because... As much as the retro consoles, which have all their games loaded in, don't really connect to the Internet. Again, the Atari VCS is something different. We'll talk about that in a second. As much as all these things, you know, I mean, that's what I love. Me personally, what I really love about the retro consoles, you buy them. It's one and done. You plug it into your fucking television and that's the end of it. You have save games and all that. There's no, you know, no online multiplayer, no bullshit. You don't have to connect it. There's no updates. There's none of that crap. It's one and done. Just like the old days. You know, when you bought a game, that game was finished. You know, I mean, warts and all, it was finished. And sometimes those warts became the matter of legend and a lot of fun. So you didn't want them to fix the bugs sometimes, you know. I mean, you lose something in the art when you do that, quite frankly. Um, and as we get more and more stories of various mobile games that people have sometimes put in thousands of dollars, you know, players have put thousands of dollars into, into you know, in-app purchases and whatever else. Um, that they just their servers get shut down and then you can't play the game anymore and they're pulled from the Play Store or they're pulled from wherever, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it, it, it's so crazy. The more the more you hear those stories, I mean, you just you opine for the old days. 
where you're just like, well, what happened to the days when I owned the fucking game and I'd put it in and I could play it for the next 50 years, you know? In fact, speaking of the Atari, you know, the original Atari, the Atari 2600, I talk about that all the time. I had an Atari that was 40 years, you know, at the time it was like 40 some odd years old. And I could still pop in combat or whatever fucking game I, you know, or Barnstormer, put in whatever game I wanted. And I could, or Smurfs, I love Smurfs, you know, put that in and I could rock it 40 years later. And I, hell, it's older than me. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's incredible. You know, I mean, I played the shit out of that thing. Sure, the joysticks would eventually kind of go bad, but you could actually fix that, you know, because the joysticks, you could take them apart. Oh, man, do I, I, I complain about that all the time that, you know, there's there's very few systems. I don't know the systems that we're going to be able to play. We're not going to be play, be able to play PS4s and Xbox ones 40 years from now. Not a chance, not a fucking chance. And you're laying down so much money for that. Please. Well, anyway. So the Atari VCS has taken advantage of this retro console craze, and it is a uh, well, I think it's Indiegogo. It's not a Kickstarter, but you get my, you know, it, it, it's a crowdfund uh, affair, and it's one hundred ninety nine dollars for this thing. Now they announced this thing like back in July, and I, I signed up for because I didn't. We, nobody knew at the time. Nobody knew what the hell it was. So they were just saying, oh yeah, it's going to be the Atari VCS, and they announced it, and you could give them their email. You know, you could give them your email address, and they would let you know when things are going on. And I got the emails for when they, you know, allowed for pre orders and all this other stuff and could get in very early and everything. But by then they were announcing what this thing actually was. And I had no interest. You know, if you want, I mean, if they were releasing with the Atari VCS, if they were just releasing, say, you know, a Stella box, which Stella is the emulator for the Atari 26 or for Atari on, uh, you know, on most PCs that, you know, you could play thousands of games, frankly. (laughs) I mean, it's really crazy. Um, If they were just releasing that, you know, like a Stella box that just has, like, you know, all the Atari games or all the Atari games that they could get the licenses for and whatever, and, and it, it, you know, it's just like it was the Atari version of an NES classic. If that's what they were doing, I would have been all over it. Would I have paid $200? No, I would not have paid $200. But I would have been all over it, you know, and they wouldn't have had to charge $200. Now, why the hell are they charging $200? That's because the Atari VCS isn't just that. The Atari VCS is trying to be... It looks like it's trying to take on, honestly, Xbox Ones and PS4s. Like, I mean, it's trying to be your your media console, okay? And it, and it can do a whole ton of shit. It's trying to be a computer. It's trying to be a very little computer. Not that there's anything crazy about that. I mean, Atari, in my opinion, you know, is really the original personal computer company. Like, they, I mean, more so than Microsoft or Apple. Fuck those guys, okay? I mean, Commodore, okay, that's another conversation, but... The real personal computer company and the company that in a very real way led the, the PC revolution was Atari itself. I mean, their machines were badass in their day. All right. So they're kind of going in that direction again, it seems. So I'm not saying that that's like out of line for I mean, and, and Atari is not Atari anymore. We're not talking about Nolan Bushnell here. OK. Uh, you know, this is just a company that bought the branding rights pretty much. OK, that's that's all this is. You know, so it's not out of line for an Atari branding to do this sort of thing is my point. But I have no interest in this. And and it's an Indiegogo. You have no idea that this thing's ever going to actually come out. And they're claiming that it'll be done by July 2019. I guarantee you they're not going to make that date. Mark my words on that. They are not going to make July 2019. And I mean, all of this is so speculative. Um, 
you know, it's going to have a hundred. It will have up to, I think, like a hundred Atari games. Uh, they announced Asteroids, Breakout, Centipede, Gravitar, Missile Command, Yars Revenge. I mean, awesome games. Yars Revenge, especially, I thought was was phenomenal. I'm a huge fan of Missile Command and Asteroid. You know, I mean, all all awesome games. But then, so you're getting the console. But then there's even like to get the controller. I think it's another fifty bucks. <laughs> I mean, this is this this is so obviously like a ridiculous cash grab that you're not really going to get out of it. What really what I think they're asking for. Okay, Uh, you know, you're not going to get the value out of this, but they're saying that it's going to be more or less a modern PC with, you know, it's going to have, you know, wireless AC, right? Wi-Fi. Uh, It's going to have Bluetooth 5.0, which practically nothing has Bluetooth 5.0. And I doubt that by July 2019, they're going to be bleeding edge on that. It's going to have Ethernet, USB 3.0 ports. I mean, it's just going to have all this crazy shit. Keyboard mice. I mean, it's just going to it's going to it's a computer. That's that's pretty much what they're selling you. And look, folks. In my opinion, if the con- I, I mean, I can't believe it did two million dollars in its first day of crowdfunding. That's crazy. What the fuck is going on out there? OK, because, you know, you know, a, a company that actually did it pretty good was they tried to a few years ago. They tried to bring Commodore back and they made modern computers that look like the original Commodore 64. You know, where the entire computer was inside the keyboard and it looked like the classic keyboard and all that. They even tried to do like modern Vic 20s and everything. And I thought that those were really cool. I didn't think that they were going to take off, but I thought that they were really cool. And I think the nostalgia and the passion for the Commodore brand is far greater than it is really for Atari at the end of the day. Uh so I'm just I, I, I can't believe this. This did so much money. I and, and I think Robin's right. These people are suckers. You know, and and you bring up the Coleco Chameleon. Um, This is one that for a brief time I fell for for a brief time. I was like, okay, no. Yeah, we're going to we're going to bring this back. This is going to be the retro console. They're going to have the right attitude and all that. This is going to be awesome. This isn't even as great as cool an idea as the Coleco Chameleon was And the Coleco Chameleon. You know, eventually we found out they were pretty much just, you know, strapping in Super Nintendo uh, uh, boards and everything like it was it, it was it was a scam. And I, I can't see why this is going to be any different. I cannot. And I can't believe some of the people like I heard. I was listening to the Twit Network um, and I think Padre was on, who's a very smart guy, you know, albeit, a, you know, I mean, he's a Jesuit, but, you know, very smart guy. Uh, it's certainly when it comes to tech, probably smarter than me, uh, you know, as far as, like, you know, getting getting nitty gritty with it. And he's like, man, I want one of these. I'm like, what? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> I mean, maybe he didn't say whether or not he thought it would actually exist and come out, but I can't believe this. You know, I mean, the only the only companies you can really trust are, in my opinion, to actually release this shit are the big ones. You know, is Sega going to come out with its Mega Drive Mini? Yes, I think that's going to happen. Is SNK going to do it? Yeah. In fact, they have uh, uh, some kind of online event going on on June 9th, which I'll be interested to see. Uh you know, I, I some of these companies will do it and some of them already have. I mean, SNK has had like the handheld Neo Geo over the past uh, uh, five years, uh, among you know other things. I mean, like there, there's a track record. There is no track record for this is stupid. I mean, and you can go buy the Atari flashback for what, like not even 50 bucks. And that comes with 60 some odd Atari games on it. OK, it's not 100, but please or hell. I, I, I really do understand the idea of having the console, but two hundred dollars. Uh, I don't even know if I'd buy like a classic Super Nintendo that and it'd have to have more than 30 games like the the SNES classic had. I don't know if I'd buy like a classic Super Nintendo for that much for 200 bucks, you know, from from Nintendo themselves. 
I mean, yeah, there's the, what is it, the analog NT or whatever, that's like that super, super Nintendo. I mean, that's a really well-made device, but but again, that wasn't exactly something, you could pre-order it, but that company already had a track record, and, and that's what makes this hard, is that I just, I get so sick of crowdfunding. I, I engage in it from time to time. I will, I mean, I, I've, I've backed Kickstarters, I've backed, um, you know, Indiegogos in the past, and most of them have turned out fairly well, but they're usually not for something of, of this level. Like, I'm very particular, like, it'll be a role-playing game that I'll, that I'll fund, or uh, something that, like, CrimeThink is doing, and, you know, stuff like that. It, it won't be something at, at, at this scale. I just, oh, man. Well, I did back Wasteland 3. But again, you know, we're talking about a d- development. It was ex- an exile in entertainment. They've come out with Wasteland 2. I mean, like they, they, they've done it. So I have a little more confidence in them. This is there. There should be no confidence in this whatsoever. I cannot believe that this is taking off. Um, so and, and I guess it's going to. There's going to be a few different packages that come at different prices. But I, again, I'm just I'm in awe that this got two million dollars. I'm in awe that this got any money. I mean, people are just falling for what I think is an absolute scam. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe it'll come out. But I can't believe people. Why? Why are there going to be people that are going to put this under their television and it's going to replace their Xbox One or their PS4? I just don't believe that that's going to happen. Um, I mean, and sadly, you know, is my understanding of it. A lot of people that have the retro consoles, they play them for about a month and then they just like let them sit there. And that's really sad, too, because, I mean, you could play those, you know, a lot of those games you could play forever. Um I don't see it. I, I just don't see this thing taken off. And yeah, and especially like when you have, I mean, I wish it was something more like the Coleco Chameleon where like with the Coleco Chameleon, the promise was, was that we're going to have new games, but made with retro styling going into cartridges and everything, which was one of the red flags of do, do people not you know realize how expensive this is going to be. And I kind of understood that point, even though I thought maybe they could still do it. Um, if the Atari was promising that sort of thing, it'd be a lot more interesting that, no, we're making a platform where you can make your own games. We're going to make new Atari games and all that. But, you know, also the other thing is that a lot of times when people play classic Atari games today, you know, they think it's a joke. They're like, wow, how did I ever play these games? You know, and I mean, I can still play Atari games and, and appreciate them for what they are and kind of the, the art and majesty. And I, I, I think some of them honestly have majesty. I mean, I think that they're, you know, it's really impressive what they were able to pull off at the time. Um, and they can be very fun games still because they can require such and so much skill. Uh, but yeah, I, no, this, this isn't going to happen. This isn't going to work. <laughs> okay. I, if, if you, if you ended up pre-ordering one, you know, you can have me eat my words when this thing actually comes out and you get a great product in your hands, but I just don't believe it's going to happen. I, th- I think this is outrageous. So, all right, um, let's get on to another question here. We're about the halfway mark. Um, and this one's kind of philosophical. And this this speaks to a concern that I've had for a few years, and certainly since 2016, certainly since Trump uh, won the election for the United States presidency, that... I've felt and been concerned that conservatism is back on the rise. Okay. And one could argue that's been going on for a little while. It's a reaction to, you know, stuff in the nineties, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that there's a huge conversation to be had around that, but bottom line being, I have concerns that conservatism is back on the rise. Well, according to uh, this story, uh, actually it's from Gallup. Okay. From Gallup poll, uh, poll, most Americans, and this is from June 4th, 2018, very fresh. Uh, most Americans say alcohol, marijuana use 
morally okay. Um, Let me read it here, then I'll get into my points. So let's see. Most Americans said in a new poll that smoking marijuana and drinking alcohol are morally okay. In the Gallup poll released Monday, um, Monday. Oh, yeah. Okay. Released Monday, I'm guessing, based off of June 4th. uh, 1,024 adults across the United States were surveyed about whether they think marijuana or alcohol use is morally acceptable, regardless of whether it should be legal. Um, 78 percent of Americans surveyed said that drinking alcohol was morally acceptable and 64 percent said that smoking marijuana was Um, the alcohol one. I I don't think is any kind of shock. I mean, you're not really getting. You know, it's not prohibition. It's not 100 years ago. And even then, you know, Americans still seem to think that drinking was fine. Uh, Like, I don't know anybody that that has a real problem with drinking, (laughs) you know, or I mean, well, I don't drink. Right. But I don't have a problem with people drinking at all. Like, I I think it's completely morally acceptable. Totally fine. Um, But that's and same with marijuana use. The marijuana use one, though, that number of 65 percent, a part of me is actually shocked it's that low. But but I mean, I, I can see where that would where that's considered high. Uh, no pun intended, but <laughs> where where 65 percent is actually a very high number. Um, I don't I don't really know what it was in the past, but OK, let's read on. Um, other practices also tied record highs or set new records for more permissive views this year, including birth control, divorce, sex between unmarried people, gay or lesbian relations, having a baby outside of marriage, doctor assisted suicide. That's interesting. Pornography and polygamy. Or I would assume, you know, that that would tie in like with polyamory, perhaps using the term, uh, you know, polygamy. Um, as I've said in past episodes, there can be genuine issues with the concepts of polygamous marriage, especially under Mormonism and all that. Uh, but, you know, polygamy or, you know, polyamorous relationships where it's it's more than two people engaged in the relationship, uh, you know, are very wonderful things. And I've, I've talked about those at length. But anyway, reading on. Meanwhile, moral acceptance of medical testing on animals at 51 percent was at a record low. That's interesting. Gallup's annual values and belief survey was conducted by telephone May 1st to the 10th with a random sample of 1,024 adults 18 and older living in all 50 U.S. states and the District of Columbia. It has a 4 percent margin of error. So. OK, I mean, and, and look, great. Like what, what I'm hearing here, if this if these are according to Gallup and their sample sizes, if these are increased numbers where, uh, you know, a lot of social issues are becoming more socially acceptable, you know, where uh, I, I guess, you know, drug use and consumption um, along with uh, even, you know, honestly, birth control, divorce, uh, you know, and, and a lot of things, a lot of relationship matters uh, that were normally only considered OK inside of a marriage are now OK outside of marriage. And, you know, LGBTQ issues and all that stuff becoming all far more acceptable. I mean, awesome. Dynamite. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, my, you know, and I mean, really, like, I'm not kidding. I think that that's fucking wonderful that that's how things are going, um, you know, based upon Gallup's poll here. I. My concern more is still that this 1,024 people aren't libertarians and anarchists. Most likely they're not. And I still have the concern that the bulk of libertarianism. okay, and well, okay, let me back up a little bit. So you had this libertarianism that rose this very special what I'll call online libertarianism or maybe even Facebooktarianism which came out of the Ron Paul, you know, the 2008 and 2012 elections, right? 
you know, the, the whole Ron Paul movement, okay, is where you get this online libertarianism or Facebook-tarianism. Uh, I mean, it, it's preposterous to me to think that there are activists who think they're doing something and they only do it online. I mean, huh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm a Facebook activist, right? <laughs> sure, sure you are. <laughs> yeah. What are you standing up against the algorithms? Because that's what you're actually going to have to take on. You know, if you're even dreaming about trying to change anybody's opinion, you got to get past those first. Oh, um, so you have this Facebook tarianism that was a thing up until well, right around 2015. We'll say we'll say it went from like 07 to 2015. Okay. Um, if you want to do a clean decade, you could say it was 07 to 2017 when Trump finally got, you know, officially in office. I mean, look, this libertarianism, in in my personal opinion, libertarianism is dead. All right. Like and 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 capism, you know, or anarcho capitalism, all stuff. I mean, they're gone. They're they're dead. And what I think really I mean, what happened is, I mean, people still want to claim that, the you know, they are ANCAPs, blah, blah, blah. You know, the Mises Institute still thinks they're doing something important, etc. All right, look, I'm not saying that they don't. I'm not saying that they don't do interesting things. And certainly, I mean, the Mises Institute has Roderick Long. I love Roderick Long. But most of the people that were really into the Mises Institute, really into libertarianism and all that, they didn't evolve into the direction of Roderick Long. They evolved, I think, into the direction of, you know, or... Uh, See, I boy, this is such a big a big subject, and we have another great question to get into. Okay, so I've been involved in libertarianism and to some degree ANCAPism back in the day. You know, since we'll say like really heavy, since like two thousand nine, two thousand ten is when I really got into it. And at the time, I mean, a lot of the quote unquote action was honestly happening on Facebook. Um, I mean, even in 2011, like I met Ron Paul and Keene, you know, I mean, I, I was I was not that I was into the whole political thing, but I recognized what he had done for this. I mean, at that point, I was already well an anarchist and, you know, didn't believe in the political process whatsoever. But that's the thing is at the time, you know, certainly 2010, 2011 and maybe even still 2012, you had so many people, you know, in this Facebook tarianism that were, you know, they were anti-political. They wouldn't get into electoral politics for anything. You know, they were, they called themselves voluntarists and all this other stuff, which voluntarist by the people that created the term made it very clear that voluntarists do not engage in electoral politics. Um, and I mean, and, and it's brilliant stuff. Like I, I love Carl Watner's work. Uh, I love Wendy McElroy's work. Like, I, I mean, these are names that don't get talked about enough to this day. People are too busy talking about, I don't know, guys that have popular podcasts or something. And I think that that's a real shame because these people deserve far more attention because they've they've got the the much more well-reasoned arguments on their side and, and they don't fall prey to a lot of, you know, penny any bullshit. So, you know, you like you had so many people that were just like, no, I'm not voting. I'm not doing this. I'm not I'm not getting involved in that. And now, I mean, this is why I think all of this is effectively dead, because now, like everybody, it seems like everybody just went into politics. Everybody started getting involved in politics. And honestly, like, I feel like so much of the quote unquote liberty movement, you know, went conservative as to where it wasn't always so that, you know, that. And so, you know, over the past few years, I mean, it's just it. I feel like what what it once was. 
I mean, you can still, you know, libertarianism still exists. Like the libertarian party is still a thing. Libertarianism and its abstract concepts are still very much a thing and very and still, you know, kind of popular, you could say, with people. But the really principled libertarianism is is gone or seems to be very much gone. There's still people who stick by it. I mean, you know, I, I, I could think of, a, you know, a few names like Jake DeSillis of the Voluntary Life. He's still pushing very principled libertarianism, and I appreciate that. Uh, you know, there's lots of these other guys that still push all that, that, you know, no, we don't engage in politics. We don't bother with that and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, th- th- you know, now, but by and large, that, that that's that's a dead idea. It, it feels like. OK, so while I'm glad to hear that socially people are really becoming, shall we say, more liberal, and I don't mean that as in the leftist term. I just mean liberal as in uh, lax, right? And they're letting people do what they want to do and leaving them alone. That is dynamite. But I think what was originally the libertarianism or what was originally the liberty movement is moving in the opposite direction. And if they're the people that are trying to get to libertarian paradise, but they think that there's certain ways that people need to act or that there's certain genetic uh, uh, traits that these people have that people have to have, blah, 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 blah. Um, I, I'm still very concerned. So dynamite that that, the, you know, the bulk of the country is is moving in the right direction in that sense, you know, in the liberal sense. OK, but I'm concerned that the liberty movement itself is moving more in the conservative direction um, and. You know, I don't know. Maybe people just got older. I mean, actually, a lot of the people I know just became apathetic and they just dropped out of it entirely. Like like so many people that were in the liberty movement have just completely dropped out. They're just they're done with it. I mean, I don't know what you know, if somebody made one too many videos and they just had a fuck enough of the bullshit that these people are peddling. I mean, and, and I, I I can barely think of anybody that that falls under the term of celebritarian that hasn't shown that they're completely a completely unprincipled fuck over and over again. It's not like it's just, I mean, yeah, people make mistakes, but, um, (laughs) I mean, look at the crap that happened with, uh, uh, what's his name there? Larkin Rose, right? Where here's this guy who's, Oh yeah, you got to respect contracts, contracts are the basis of free society, blah, 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 blah. And then he goes and he, he pays no attention to a marriage contract, you know, and ends up stooping some guy's wife. Like what the fuck? You know, I mean, I don't, you know, me, I mean, I hate contracts. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just saying I'm using his, you know, his, uh, uh, his perspective is that contracts are this great and wonderful thing. And yet he doesn't even respect them. I, I mean, like what the hell, you know, <laughs> that's why I say like it, it, it's, I mean, it's not dead, but for all intents and purposes, it sure as fuck isn't what it was. And now it's, it hasn't really, in my opinion, turned in, uh, turned into any kind of outreach. Like at one point it might've been some kind of outreach. Now it's, it's just become very insular. And, you know, I mean, I, I think a lot of these people are, li- are living in echo chambers. Not all, not all. Like I said, there's people who are libertarian. I've said this so many times on Q and A's. There's people who call themselves libertarians, who call themselves ANCAPs and whatever. They're just some of the most dynamite and wonderful people on planet earth. And I love them. Okay, there's plenty. I mean, there's actually quite a few that I, you know, that I can think of off the top of my head. All right. But, you know, uh, uh, the, the larger stuff, I mean, when, when you look at some of these pages, okay, so say like these Facebook pages or these Twitter accounts or something, and these people have tens of thousands of followers, okay, on these pages or on these accounts or whatever. The bulk of those tens of thousands of people are not really principled libertarians, right? I mean, because if they were and if they were also into, you know, taking action and things like this, shit would be happening. I mean, the, the only possible answer is or there's two possible answers. One is, is that 
the bulk of those thousands and tens of thousands are fake. As in they're bought, you know, by the, you know, by the celebritarian or something, or they are pushing the liberty movement or whatever into maybe a political direction. And which I think we did see significantly through, you know, through the, uh, you know, through the, the recent, you know, through the campaign for, uh, you know, with Trump. And did I say when, did I say 2017 that Trump got got put in officially? Sorry. I mean, you, you know what I mean? <laughs> it was 2016, whatever. The years don't matter. Bottom line, the, the, the facts remain. Okay. <laughs> In fact, honestly, I'm happy that like I get the years wrong about presidencies and my lack of political knowledge. I mean, I'm like I'm proud of it now. You know, it's where it used to be quite different. I mean, I used to know all kinds of shit about that. And like now I, I just I don't care and I don't have time for it. Like I'm too busy actually trying to build the future, uh, you know, and certainly for myself and the people that, uh, you know, the people that I love. So, yeah, what used to be. You know, this online movement of libertarianism, again, I think has just it's gone two ways. Either it's gone to apathy. In general, I mean, not again, this isn't 100 percent true across the board. It's either gone to people have become apathetic about it and just moved on or they've gone to effectively conservatism, you know. But again, does that really matter? Maybe not. Maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe because, you know, society at large is becoming, uh, you know, more liberal as far as, you know, becoming more socially liberal. Right. That, you know, maybe it doesn't matter. And, you know, what becomes the new norm? It might not change the laws, but it'll certainly keep people from ignoring them. How about that? And certainly I've been pushing very, very seriously for, you know, social issues, you know, to, for, for people to become far more uh, morally liberal or perhaps amoral <laughs> in a way. You could describe it as that. That's definitely been something I've been pushing on Sovereign Tech. So when the Sovereign Tech listener said, hey, you're winning, I'm like, yeah, well, I, I guess in that sense I am, which is good. But anyway, uh, all right, let's... um. You know, as long as they're not going to make laws about it, <laughs> you, you can you can decrim it, you know, get rid of the laws, but, but don't go making laws about it. Actually, even like going through the process of getting rid of the laws is still playing politics, but whatever. So, all right, let's get on to uh, the other question here. This one's kind of this is <laughs> pretty funny. Uh, hey, Stallion, I've noticed some of your pictures on Instagram. And I have to say, you look sexy as hell. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and I, I don't know if I agree with that, but and I have to agree with the commentator on one picture that you are one of the few men I actually think are attractive. Well, I'm honored. Um, <laughs> real quick, I want to talk about this. Okay, yes, I post stuff on Instagram. Um, you know, we were just get, just talking about how you know, kind of like these online social movements, how they're pretty much like like fading away or they've morphed into something completely different and just kind of falling into a, a greater herd. Um, I mean, and, and there's 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 been some, you know, speaking of polls and statistics, there have been some statistics to show really it seems like Instagram is the only social media that actually really gets use and, and like that that really has any kind of uh, bearing and following. Um, and certainly people have tried to copy and unseat Instagram and it hasn't worked. Uh, Facebook was definitely, and I've said this before on CyberTech, Facebook was very smart to, to acquire Instagram, especially at a time when, you know, because now we find out also that we talked about in episode 280, it ended up becoming true that Microsoft is buying GitHub for 7.5 billion. I think I forget Instagram was a huge deal back, you know, a few years ago. It was like one of the largest deals of its day. Um, but, you know, Facebook probably would have had to pay 20 million for it today if they bought it today, because Instagram is just taking so much mind share and attention share. Um, but really, it does seem to be the social media network, you know, where you could potentially. And I know I've gotten actually I, I can't believe this. 
it's the only one I think where I've brought, I've genuinely brought in new listeners from like, you know, way outside of any kind of social circle that I normally run other than maybe nerddom, you know, and wow, you know, but I'm that I'm not telling you to get on Instagram. I'm not saying anything like that. Um, I'm just saying, yes, I, st- I will still post there from from time to time. Um, but why well, I, I post, uh, you know, inspirational art there every day. But whatever. Anyway, that's that's a whole other whole other story. I'm not saying get on Instagram. OK, that's not what I'm telling you. But uh, anyway, so really honored by what uh, what this gal had to say here. Uh, reading on, I've told my boyfriend that he needs to get his flabby ass into shape or I'm going to go full lesbian. Okay. <laughs> As you've said on a prime show, he needs to read more too. Um, but one, but one thing at a time. <laughs> uh, okay. I was not directly telling anybody to, that they have to read more, but I, 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 I think I get what you're saying. Yes. I, I've told the abstract sovereign tech audience, get reading. You need to read books, actual books, not Facebook. Okay, uh, reading on. He said he'll start working out if I buy him the equipment. So I'll buy him the equipment. My question is, oh man of tomorrow, where do I start? <laughs> you know where I'm going to tell you to start? Fuck this guy. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't mean like like have sex with him. I mean, fuck this guy. Oh, uh, yeah, I'll work out if you buy me the equipment. No, <laughs> you know, I mean, not that anybody has to work out. Your best self is subjective and it's completely up to you. And maybe, you know, working out or getting in shape and stuff like that isn't what you consider to be your best self or what makes you the most happy. Those are the things that are important, right? Okay, but uh, holy shit, if I was a gal and the guy told me and, you know, and I was talking to them and I'd say, hey, you know, I, I mean, I don't know what's going on in your relationship here. Okay. But if I said, you know, I really like it, like, I'd love it if you'd work out with me, if you'd get into shape, I'm concerned about your health or something like this. And they said, well, fine, I'll do it if you buy it for me. You you know, I'm just using your term. I don't I'm not I don't mean to insult anybody, but it's probably no shock that this guy's out of shape if he's not even, you know, if he can't even buy his own shit or whatever. I don't I don't know what's going on here. Okay, but what the fuck? (laughs) Do not buy this guy his workout equipment. Just dump him. Go, you know, go ahead. Go, go full lesbian. I, I, I think this is this is what. I think you already came up with the answer here, and the answer is not what workout equipment to buy. The answer is just go full lesbian already. Okay, you know, dump the bum. <laughs> like what the fuck? <laughs> of course, maybe this guy is somebody that um, I don't know. Maybe this guy is is is, is someone that's also a sovereign tech patron, and I don't know it. But and if I lose a patron over this because I called him a bum, well, whatever. I. I think you're pulling bullshit, buddy. But anyway, okay. So, (laughs) but I will still answer the question. Okay. Maybe you really want to do it for him. Maybe there's circumstances I don't understand uh, that explain, uh, you know, why, but based on the way that you said it, uh, you know, that's what I read in. So anyway, so first things first. Yeah. Just, just go full, full lesbian already. Okay. Find that exceptional guy. You know, if, if you really need a guy, go out and find the exceptional ones. They're out there. There's there are not many. In fact, you might only be able to count them on your hands. But, you know, go go find that. Otherwise, uh, or you know, or, you know, most women are exceptional. 
dare I say all, well, not all, but I can think of some women that aren't exceptional. Um, but most women are, are more exceptional. So it's, you know, it's a much, it's a larger pool that you get to choose from as far as exceptional beings go. So just, just go lesbian. I, that, that, that's, that's my answer on that. No, no, no. Okay. No, like I said, I will, like, like she says here, my question is, oh man of tomorrow, where do I start? All right. So I appreciate your compliments towards, uh, you know, my physique. Um, I don't think it's that great. I mean, I, I'm not saying that I haven't done good work, okay? But you know, I'm not I'm not being falsely modest here. All right, I'm just saying that like I'm not, you know, I'm not Jay Cutler. I'm not like at that level or anything and and you know, I am working towards getting to those levels. But anyway, so where I'm at right now, if you liked what you saw, <laughs> bottom line. I can't believe I'm talking about this. Uh if you liked what you saw, <laughs> Uh, I only, you know, 90, 99% of the time I am using dumbbells and that's it. You know, I, I have a, I have an easy curl bar. Sometimes I use that, but very, but it's, it's not rare, but I mean, that's it. Like I'm using dumbbells. I'm using adjustable weight plates and everything. I'm not, I'm not using a full bench. I'm not using machines. I'm not using any of that stuff. 99% of, of, you know, of the time. The only time I'm using machines is when I'm traveling and I go to like a hotel gym or something like that and they have machines. Even then, if they have dumbbells, I'll generally just use their dumbbells. Okay. Um, you don't need a lot of equipment. In fact, I think Stephanie and I covered this. We we answered this in a, in a recent Sovereign Tech Prime episode, so I don't know how long you've been listening, but uh, that's okay. I can, you know, readdress it here. I think it's important to do. Um, yeah, I mean, you can get some equipment, but and, and machines are great. I'm not saying that machines are, are a terrible thing. Uh, and in fact, honestly, maybe getting a gym membership, you know, is might be the more cost effective thing to do for your boyfriend. I don't know. But if you want the equipment in house, maybe it's so that you can use it, too. I mean, then you definitely want to get, you know, just get a great set of dumbbells that are adjustable, you know, where you can put on the different weights. Uh, I mean, I don't know how much money you can spend on it, but if you're just starting out, yeah, get get an adjustable set of dumbbells that, you know, you can get some interesting ones where they're easy to switch between weights and usually they go anywhere between five to to 50 pounds. Um, if you start getting above where you're curling, say, more than 50 pounds or you're pressing more than 50 pounds. Uh, you're going to, well, I mean, you know, then you're in a whole different ball game. Okay. Cause then you're more in my direction, you know, where I'm generally, you know, messing with, uh, you know, the 60 to hundred pound range, if not, well, depending upon what the exercise is significantly more. Okay. I mean, like I, like I'll mess around, like, I, like I can bench, uh, you know, approximately 300, like I can max 300 right now. Okay. But you know, usually I don't, I'm not messing around with a bench. That's the thing. It's like, okay, so I get to a gym, they have a bench. All right, let's see what I can do on that. You know, and the bench press, how much can you bench? That's a bullshit metric anyway, in a very, in a very real way. Like most serious bodybuilders and people like that, that are into fitness, that's not something they really pay attention to, uh, at all. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm a believer now that, yeah, I mean, you have two different schools of thought on this. Okay. Uh, there's people who think that using a straight bar, which is like a bar that you bench press, right? Put two hands on and all that. There's people who think that that's a totally legit thing, you know, or using that for squatting and all that. And certainly for squats. Yeah. A straight bar is something that, uh, that you may want to use. You know, I like, I, I get that. Okay. I'm not taking, you know, there's different styles. People have different strokes, different ways that they work out. I completely understand that. I don't, I'm not disrespecting any of them. Okay. Um, but in my opinion and the research that I am working off of is that, you know, the human body isn't is designed like your limbs. OK, your arms, your legs, all these things are meant to work independently of each other. OK, not in such perfect concert to where you would use a straight bar 
you know, to do various workouts or like where you would do a bench press. What you and in fact, if you look in like the muscle, ma- you know, you look in fitness, uh, muscle and fitness or whatever, because I think they combine with flex. So flex isn't really a magazine anymore. But you look in that, you look in Iron Man, you look in, you know, muscle, muscle and development and all that stuff. Uh, most of the time when you see the really big guys doing their workouts, it's interesting if you see them doing a press, they're doing it with dumbbells, not with a straight bar, not, you know, not with a barbell. OK, they're doing it with dumbbells every time you see them doing it. And that's because, as I understand it, based upon like the work of uh, Bob Ciccarello and others, like they're saying that, you know, in a lot of the, the, the big gyms like that, dumbbells are the thing. They want you working the stuff independently because it's getting you away from potential injuries from from, uh, you know, working out and lifting weights in such an unnatural way. Uh, I mean, again, there, there's a lot of different schools of thought on this. This is the one that I go with. And it also it's I mean, granted, I'm biased because it makes it very easy so that I don't have to have a whole setup in in, uh, you know, mine and Stephanie's home gym to where you know i need to accommodate a barbell okay so much i mean again an easy curl bar that's a handy thing to have because sometimes there are certain workouts that might be beneficial with that uh but you know even like i mean say easy bar probably the most common thing it's used for is a preacher curl you know you can do preacher curls single arm you don't have to do it with two so my 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 opinion you start off you get a great get a really great uh, adjustable set of dumbbells and get a uh, get a bench, a weight bench that is that can incline and decline. OK, if if the bench can also have like some kind of leg press or, or you know, leg lifting, um, you know, leg workout apparatus at the end of it, that's great. OK, you might not be able to find that or you don't or it costs too much. That's fine. You don't need that because you can work out your legs just as well with those dumbbells, you know, all day long. OK, I mean, like, really. Um, so that that's where I would start. You just get yourself a great. I mean, and again, like if you knew the very small amount of gym equipment that I have. All right. Um, I, you'd probably be shocked. Like I, I've, I use very, very little. And I, I don't think I know some people say you want to start with kettlebells. I'm, I'm not convinced that kettlebells work very well in my experience. So just get yourself, you know, a, a nice set of dumbbells. Get that get that weight bench that can do an incline. Um, and in fact, the incline, you know, that can be very handy because when you can when you can adjust the bench, say you get to the point where the dumbbells that you have, I don't know, maybe it goes up to like 35 pounds or something. OK, say the dumbbells that you have, you you grow past that to where, no, you need to be lifting 40s or 45s. If you have an incline bench, you can change like say you're doing uh, dumbbell curls, you can change the incline of the bench and do the dumbbell curls on an incline and then you know, a pair of 35 or 25 pound dumbbells is going to kill you. Like, I, I, I mean, it, it's going to be a significantly harder workout. You can change that up or you can even face the other direction and do what they call spider curls. And you'll be lucky if you could lift 20 pounds, you know, if you could curl a 20 pound dumbbell. So that's why it's important. I think the weight benches is, is where you really want to put the money, because if you can adjust the weight bench, you know, the the dumbbells can can be become far more dynamic in what you can do with them. Okay. So that's where I would start off and it doesn't take up much space. I can get a great workout in a very, very small space as long as you're not living in an apartment. And if you're living in an apartment, then you're going to want to go with workout bands. Okay. As long as you're not living in an apartment, you can, you can really, in my opinion, um, I'm not saying I have an amazing physique. I'm telling you, you can get to the point you can, anybody can get to an amazing physique just with dumbbells and a great weight bench. Okay. And nothing more. 
really nothing, you know, absolutely nothing more because you could still do dips and all this other stuff with that. I mean, a, a dipping like a, a dipping station of some kind where it looks like a walker or something. That's a great piece of equipment to get as well, because you can do a lot of different things with that. Um, I mean, you can get into little pieces of equipment that you can add on here or there, like an ab wheel. Those are handy. You know, you, you can get those sorts of things. But in general, you can just get so far and do so much with, uh, again, with a set of dumbbells and, and a really great weight bench. So, all right, let's get into our, uh, let's get into our album of the week quickly. And the album of the week, it's, it's a very quick pick. And the quick pick is actually a release from this year in 2018, earlier in the year. But, uh, the aforementioned talked about Zach Wilde earlier, the aforementioned, uh, black label society, they came out with a compilation called grimmest hits, uh, instead of greatest hits, it's grimmest. And I, 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 not G R I M A C E D, but grim is in, you know, this is grim. So grimmest hits. Uh, and it's an awesome, awesome collection. Uh, overall, what is it like 13 for, or it depends on which version. If you get the Japanese version, I think it's like 14 songs, but they've got a, they have three, three new songs on it. There's room of nightmares, which is awesome. Seasons of falter and the day that heaven had gone away. All awesome tracks. And then they just, you know, they hit you with, you know, trampled down below. It opens up with uh, all the one shined only words. Uh, I mean, I black label talk about something I like working out to black label society is fucking great workout music. Um, you you gotta, you gotta check it out. <laughs> so, uh, grimmest hits. That's, that's my recommended recommendation for album of the week. Uh, I mean, oh man, wait till you hear like illusions of peace. I mean, this is an awesome, awesome collection. Uh, and as soon as you hear it, you're going to want to just end up getting, I mean, it, black label just keeps getting better. You know, so I guarantee you're going to go back to all their other albums as soon as you hear this. But uh, but I just I love this collection. And it's it's been along with honestly and ironically or interestingly, perhaps um, <laughs> the soundtrack for The Greatest Showman. It, it's one of the one of the albums that's been, you know, kind of on replay over and over and over again for me. So just badass stuff. So check it out anyway. OK, that is it for this for your Wednesday Q&A this week. Um, more episodes will probably come out this week and we got some really fun surprises to come over to come out over the next couple weeks. And uh, of course, the live show at Porkfest is going to be happening. That's going to be exciting as hell. So anyway, you just wait for all of it, baby, because you know that the Golden Stallion delivers it to you. I will see all of you woo, on the other side.